You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. I, I want to tell you, I was raised on a farm, and most of you know that, but I came across this story about uh, this, this young, uh, the son of this farmer. Uh, he was driving a, a wagon load of corn, a, a gravity box, and, and he kind of missed the corn a little bit, and one of the wheels went into the d- ditch, and it flipped over. And so uh, the neighbor comes running out, and... Uh, He said, hey, what happened? I'll I'll give you a hand, but my wife and I, my family, were about ready to sit down and have a meal. Why don't you join us? And and the young boy said, well, you know, my dad would really be upset. Oh, no, no, it's okay. You know, we'll take care of that mess later, but uh, the meal's all prepared. Just come on with me. My my dad's going to really be mad. He's going to be upset. And so he reluctantly goes with the neighbor. He sits down at the table, has a major meal, I mean, Meat and potatoes, that's what farmers eat, right? And so, finishes this meal, and, and then he said, well, uh, uh, the farmer says, so where is your dad anyway? And the son says, I know he's going to really be mad. He's under the wagon. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, now sometimes, don't you feel like you're under the wagon? Uh, yeah, M- my wife accuses me sometimes of throwing under the bus. Uh, and, and I'm guilty of that, and I, and I repent publicly, okay? But anyway, there's times we go through things that just wear us down. And, and we go through life, and we can just get sick and tired. And In fact, some people get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And this message this morning, it's one of our core values. Uh, when we look at core values, we're looking at something that really is vital to an organization, It's vital to a church because core values help to define how we do life together. It's how we relate to one another within and then how we relate to those that are a target group to reach, you know, so within as well as the community. uh, Core values have great relevance. And so we've been going through a few of these. In fact, um, I'll go over these. We're people who cannot be broken. That was the first week. We're family that will always forgive. We're peacemakers in a world at war. We're a body that when damaged will heal. We're a safe place for poor and for rich. That was last week, and if if you didn't get a chance to be here for that, we encourage you to listen to the podcast. And then today's featured core value is we're a haven for those who are tired. Now, I know some of you woke up this morning and you just, the, probably the first thought that came to your mind, I'm tired. And maybe not. But for some of you, maybe that's the state of mind that, that you're in. And it seems it's constantly plaguing you. You're just tired because of everything that's happening and all that you're going through. <clears throat> What's interesting is there are over 500 verses in the Bible that talk about rest. 500 verses on the subject of rest. So it's something that must be important, right? And the reason people are tired is because they haven't discerned or discovered rest. Maybe they don't have a revelation of what rest is from a natural standpoint and especially a spiritual standpoint. And so when we discover rest, then we can overcome 
our fatigue and our tiredness. It's interesting that all of us need rest. We know we need rest, but sometimes it seems like we just don't get enough of it. And what's, what's so important is to realize that even God saw the importance of rest. So who do you think you are if you don't think you need rest or you need to take time out? And I'm, I'm preaching to myself, and I know, I know, honey, you can remind me of this message. And please remind me of this message because this is an area of my life that I need to grow in. I need to take time and rest and refresh and rejuvenate and all that because I can just keep going. And I, I think, Dad, I have to blame you about that because you had such a great work ethic. He, this was a guy that would never stop moving. But he, even he knew how to take times of rest. Growing up on the farm, we would, after lunch, when we were making hay or, or bringing in the crops or plowing the fields, after lunch, we would all take a 20-minute nap. We'd crash out in the den. Remember that, Mark? Yeah, I mean, that was great. Now, the problem is, all these years later, serving in ministry, I never schedule appointments right after lunch because my body is automatically programmed to go into rest mode. And I've been, people pulling out their heart and counseling, and I'm, what did you say? Oh, okay. You know, so uh, don't schedule an appointment with me at 12.30 or 1 o'clock, okay? So... Um, uh, I don't want you to be offended with me, okay? Anyway, so it's important for our bodies to get a proper night's sleep or proper rest. And if we don't, there are generally unpleasant consequences uh, like falling asleep in church. Now, uh, we're, we're haven for those who are tired, Okay? But that doesn't mean you can sleep in church, okay? So, uh, we'll just get that straight right from the start. Uh, we all need our rest. Uh, now, if that's true in the physical realm, how much more in our spiritual life? And so we want to talk uh, maybe about that element more so today from a spiritual standpoint. And the key scripture that we want to look at this morning is Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Matthew eleven. 28 through 30, and, and this is an amazing, this is actually a classic passage in the Bible, and there's been many teachings, much has been focused on this verse, and, and it should be a focus, because this passage really uh, is a call and an invitation for salvation, for people to come to Christ, and, and so uh, let's read it, starting at verse 28, I'm reading from the New King James Version, it says, come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What an invitation. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. In other words, he's saying, I'm not too good for you. You know, some people say, oh, you're just too good for me. I can't get close to that person. They're too good for me. No, Jesus is not too good for you. He invites you to become part of what he's doing, okay? For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. He takes the humble posture. And you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, it's amazing to me to think that we have an opportunity 
an invitation to be yoked up with Jesus. That's, that's amazing that he actually gives us that kind of invitation. We need to understand that a yoke, in our culture today, we don't often understand what a yoke is. Uh, picture, for example, um, a pair of ox. Do you call it oxen? Okay. And they have this apparatus, and, and most often, in, especially in the ancient world, it was made out of wood. And there's a place on one side and other side where it goes over the head of the oxen. The yoke is joined to the ox on the right or on the left, respectively. And so they're hooked up together, and there's restraints, there's belts and straps that uh, they connect to, and so they pull the load together. And so they're teamed up. It's a, it's a team. And, and so Jesus is literally saying, I want you to team up with me. Now, how can you go wrong to be yoked up or to be teamed up with Jesus? I, I, that's a no-fail thing. You can't fail if you're yoked up with him, even if, if you're just dragging your feet. You know, he's, how, how many of you think he's going to carry you through the times that you just can't move on your own, right? Okay, and, and all of you have probably in your home somewhere this plaque called footprints. How many of you have the footprint thing? Okay, uh, need I say any more? Okay, we, we don't need to go there. But it's how you see one set, you see two sets, that's where we're walking together. You see one set, and, and then the guy says to Jesus, how come in the most difficult time of my life there's only one set of prints because I was going alone? Where were you? And said, no, that's when I was carrying you, okay? So he'll carry you through those most difficult times of life. So how many of you have ever rode on a bicycle made for two? Have you ever done that? It's kind of fun. And I thought to myself, in my whole life, and I'm 58 years old, I'm younger than my brother who's sitting out here. <laughs> he just had the big day uh, two days ago, and he turns Say, Alan, 60. I'm right behind you, brother. And so, uh, did you ever see, in all of my years, and maybe I'll ask you the same question, Mark. Have you ever seen anybody riding on a bicycle built for two and there's only one person on that bike? No? Who would even think of doing that? I mean, that would be embarrassing to go out there on a bicycle made for two and there's only one. It, it's not made just for one. It's built for two, Okay. And so what Jesus has established, his yoke is built for two. So he's waiting for you to hook up with him. And the beauty of relationship with Jesus is it's personal with everybody. He is my personal savior and he can be your personal savior too. Okay? It's amazing in the heart and mindset of God. You know, I can remember when after we had Daniel, he was our firstborn, and, and uh, Deb got pregnant with Nathan, and, and we had this discussion. We were thinking, how are we going to be able to love Nathan as much as we love Daniel? Because our whole focus, we just love this little boy, and, and I'm sure um, Abby and Caleb, you're thinking, this little child, the love just flows out to that little guy, right? And so, we were thinking, are we going to be able to love Nathan as much as we love Daniel? But you know, something transpired. When Nathan was born, something happened. 
our capacity to love enlarged, to include Nathan. And so we discovered that our love for Daniel was just as great as our love for Nathan and vice versa. And then with every child that came after that. So God's love is capable of expanding to enlarge, to include all of us. Okay, that, that's awesome about his nature, isn't it? So, so yeah, and I, one of the things, one of our goals at Refuge is to get you yoked up with Jesus. Because once you do, I promise you, you'll never want to disconnect. You'll never want to disconnect. The problem is a lot of churches get yoked up with religion. You know, they get hooked up with all the do's and the don'ts, the legalism and all that stuff, and they're going through motions and they forgot the one that we're here for, Jesus. And so we don't want to get yoked up with a religion. We want to get yoked up with Jesus, the master, and, and, and that's going to make a difference and because that relationship matters most. That's what matters most. And uh, we, we don't, uh, we're not perfect. We haven't come to a place of perfection. We're still working through things in our life, right? Thank God he puts up with us and he's patient with us. I'm thankful he's patient with me because I, I would have gave up on myself a long time ago. I said, you've had it. You're out of here. This is it. But God has given me chance after chance and, and, and he, he's always there for me. So what we see uh, there's, there's certain things we can learn and see through this particular passage. There's, there's four things that we can readily see that I want to identify. Uh, first of all, there is an invitation. There is an invitation. The people addressed are all who labor and are heavy laden. And, and now you can say, okay, that's the, the weight of sin. That can be the weight of circumstances, just life uh, messing with us and the things that we go through. It can, it can relate to all those things because people are burdened down and heavy. They're dealing with things in their, jo in their job or the workplace. And I, I was trying to say they're dealing with jerks, okay? And, and that's maybe true. They're just dealing with people that are not pleasant. They're getting beat up. They're getting pushed around. And um, they shouldn't have to come to church and get beat up and pushed around. They should come to church and be built up strengthened and edified, be refreshed so that they can go out and face that world with victorious mindsets, okay? So, so we see this is an invitation that you want to accept to come. All that are weary and heavy laden, come, accept that invitation. And so the second thing we see in this passage is there is a promise. There's a promise. And, and the promise is you will find rest and have an opportunity to learn from the greatest teacher who ever lived. We can learn from Jesus. What an invitation, a promise that you're going to find rest and learn from the greatest of them all. Awesome. Praise God. You can just put that scripture back up here because I think when we look at this, I want you to continue to see this passage and these, these key phrases here. The third element we see in this passage is there is a requirement. See, realize that there is a part that you have to play. 
Uh, and I, I think, did I mention last week, if, if you were to win the lottery, uh, and, and not that we suggest you do that, but let's just say somebody out there gets the winning number for the lottery, uh, that's not really his until he claims it. And see, with, with salvation, we have to claim what has been promised. So there is a part that you have to play. Jesus paid the price. He did all the work, but you have to do something as a requirement. And so this is what we see here. Uh, the requirement is taught in four key words. Come unto me. Take. Take my yoke. See, it's not a free ride. And then it says, learn. Learn from me. You, you have to determine that you're going to learn from him. And then find. So we see these four words in, in that phrase. You'll find rest for your souls. You're going to find something. These words clearly tell us what we ought to do in responding to Jesus' invitation. Okay? Now, the next thing we see in this passage is there is a result. The fourth thing we see here, there is a result. And that result is an encounter with Jesus. And actually, you know, we're not in this alone. Jesus doesn't expect you to do this life alone because you can yoke up with him and you can receive the freedom from him to move forward despite the burdens of life that you may be facing, okay? Now, what can I say about all this? The yoke is on you. Okay? I didn't say the joke is on you. The yoke is on you, okay? So if you're willing to accept it, please do. Now, if we as a refuge, a haven for those who are tired, what do we need to know as a church body, as a church family? Well, first of all, what does it mean to be a haven? Haven is def defined as a place of safety, a refuge. Now, it also goes on to say a place of shelter. Now, synonyms, synonyms excuse me, uh, for haven, our refuge, retreat, shelter, sanctuary. You're going to like this next one, asylum. Mm. Port in a storm, oasis, I like that one, and sanctum, also an inlet providing shelter for ships or boats. It's a harbor or a small port. So these are all words that talk about a haven and describe haven. Now, I want to show you something because years ago, back in 1998, I began to get plagued by people putting all this information on my desk. That was uh, really before all these internet sites were, you know, up and running. And they were all these warnings about Y2K. Now, anybody remember that Y2K? Y2K stands for year 2000. Now, it was believed that there was going to be uh, devastating consequences to computer systems all over the world uh, when the year turned over to 2000, uh, primarily because when computers were established, there was uh, a lot of, because the databases couldn't hold a lot of memory, so they used a two-digit system to qualify the year. And so what happens when you keep going, 99, it goes back to zero. So they were thinking all these systems are going to reset and all these computers are going to crash in the government, in the banking system, and, and, and all these businesses that all these computer crashes were going to uh, uh, you know, come about. 
And so uh, computer people and tech, you know, all these guys were, you know, figuring how are they going to stop this? And so they're trying to update, upgrade, and do all these things. It's, and it really helped boost technology at that time and upgrade the computers that we have today and the technology that we have today. But uh, I can remember people coming to me, what are we going to do? And, and so I took it to prayer because it wasn't just com- conspiracy theorists that were saying all this. This was coming from top-ranking people with legitimate concerns of what would happen for Y2K. And so I took it to prayer, and what the Lord began to deal with me in prayer is that we as a church need to be prepared in case of emergency. And so whether it's something that would be a result of Y2K, whether it be something that would result from a tornado in the area, a storm, a flood, whatever, how could we as a church be prepared to respond to that? So how we did, we, we started a ministry uh, that dealt with that. And, and, and so uh, actually uh, that ministry was a ministry to, to be equipped to serve the community in time of need. So uh, we actually purchased uh, backup generators to power up this place in case of a power outage. We also contracted with the Red Cross. And so this is an official Red Cross Center, this place. We're contracted with them. In the case of emergency, they would bring their staff, their resources, and we would be poised and positioned to serve this community during a time of a, of a disaster or crisis in our area. So we're a Red Cross facility in that sense because of, of that affiliation. In fact, we had about 30 people at that time go through Red Cross volunteer training. And people, if you want to do that, those courses are often periodically. You can do that and become part of this vital ministry. Uh, in the first year that we, uh, you know, because obviously on New Year's Eve, of 1999, and then we ended the year 2000. Uh, I can remember we were listening, and, and because it was changing in other parts of the world, and, and lights were on, even in Russia. So if it's going to go down anyway, it's going to go down in Russia. But there were no power outages and all that, so the grid was still up, and, and so we, we made it through Y2K. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Um, but that first year, we were called. One time there was a bomb scare in Junction City. They put us on alert. They said if we need to evacuate Junction City, we would use your facility. So we would feed people here. We would even uh, set, set up mats where people could sleep in this auditorium. We would be a Red Cross shelter and center in a time of a disaster. And we still are that. So just so you know that, maybe you didn't know that about, about this church. And, and actually... Um, the verse the Lord gave us in, in light of that, in, in HAVEN is an acronym that stands for Having Available Vital Evangelistic Necessities. That's the acronym we came up for HAVEN. And the scripture passage is found in Psalms 107, verse 20 through 30. It says, Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet, so he guides them to their desired haven, okay? And so now, we should not ignore warnings, but we need to see them as opportunities to position ourselves 
uh, for ministry, okay? Because there's all people warning you of this or that. So prepare. In fact, the best time to win your battle is before it starts. Isn't that right? Uh, being prepared is, is half the victory, okay? It's half the battle. So what we need to do is we need to identify the cause of tiredness and weariness in our own lives so that we can help others. So if we're going to be a church that can be effective at ministering to this community, we have to be healthy as a body ourselves. So if we, I want to take just a couple minutes and look at ourselves in the sense of what areas of tiredness and weariness are we dealing with so that we can be refreshed and made strong. And so one of the things that we see often as a problem among believers is anxiety that is caused by fear. Too many Christians are full of anxiety. And people will actually faint because of fear. They'll faint because of fear. And people, are, in, in a sense, spiritually, they're fainting because of fear and anxiety. And, and it's usually fear of the unknown. They don't know. There's uncertainty of the, of the future. But we realize that perception is not always reality. Sometimes you can perceive something and it can cause fear. But that's not reality because most of what people fear never transpires. So the next time some event comes along into your life that creates fear and trembling, uh, first determine the source of that, okay? Look past the emotions, because emotions, we can get caught up in that, and evaluate the situation in light of God's word. And if you apply the word to that situation, there's victory. And so uh, perception is not always reality. See, and, and realize that we, we talk about this um, carefree life. And, and really, God wants you to live a carefree life. He doesn't want you to live a careless life. There's, there's a vast difference between the two. Because he said that we're to cast all of our care upon him. He wants you to be free from care, from concern, from anxiety. He doesn't want those things to weigh you down, plague you down, hold you back. Amen? So we see in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the scripture, it's a strong command. It says, be anxious for nothing, no thing. There's no thing that you should be anxious for. Nothing, period. Okay, now there's not a period there, actually. There's a comma. <laughs> but, in, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So instead of worrying about it, instead of being anxious about it, pray about it, Okay. And, and that's where people mess up because they use prayer as a last resort rather than the first resort. And they have all that worrying in between. And, and they could just save themselves a lot of worry and anxiety, right? And so, and it goes on to say, the result of making your request known to God, giving this thing to him, is verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding. In other words, it bypasses what your mind can comprehend. In a sense, blows your mind, okay? And which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. In other words, you begin to fortify your heart and mind from the fear, from the onslaught, from the onslaught. onslaught. Thank you, thank you. I, I knew that word somehow was coming out wrong, but thank you, Earl, for correcting me, helping me out. And so the onslaught of all those things that are trying to bombard your life to make you tired, to make you weary and weigh you down. And, and then we see in 1 Peter 5, 6, I love this passage in verse 7, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, 
that he may exalt you. To humble yourself is to be open and receptive to him. Say, Lord, here I am. It's not to be pride and say, I can do this. No, it's, it's to acknowledge your weakness, to acknowledge where you're at with all that's going on. And so uh, it says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Notice verse 7, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you so you don't have to be filled with care and worry and concern. And, and I've, I've used that illustration in the past where I'd uh, throw my keys to somebody. I, I, I can, can you catch good? This is, this is an iPhone, so be careful. <laughs> now, I just cast my iPhone on him. I'm free from my iPhone. Oh, just, uh, thank you, Jesus. Now I can just focus on you. Oh, I'm, I'm free from that thing, okay? So now, no, notice what happened. He, he just handed it back to me when I reached out for it. So often that's what we do with the cares of this life. We cast them on the Lord, and then we reach out and take it back. Without a word being spoken, we reach out and take it back. And that's how it's with the cares of life. Now, you might be dealing with something, and you might have to cast that thing on the Lord a hundred times a day because it will keep trying to come back to you. And so, Lord, I know I, I cast this on you, Lord. I cast this on you, Lord. No, this worry. I, I don't know how we're going to pay rent this month. I cast this care on you, Lord. I'm doing all that I can in the natural. But, Lord, I don't know how we're going to meet this need. I don't know how we're going to get through this struggle. I don't know how we're going to overcome this battle in this relationship situation. Okay? I'm getting a little tongue-tied there. Forgive me. But um, you cast on him. Now, when you're tired, you're weak. When you're tired, you're vulnerable to attack, to temptation, to be offended. And, and so uh, th th you need to call on him when your heart is faint. In, in Psalms 61, 2 and 3, we see this passage here that really fits so much with, with this message and with us. It says in Psalm 61, verse 2, from the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Faintness is tiredness, it's weariness. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. In other words, I, I need to get to a place with a, a different perspective, a different outlook, because I'm in this valley and everything seems to be surrounding me. I need to be elevated so I can see from a different vantage point. Verse 3, for, I have, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Now, anxiety, fear, worry, all that can be enemies to our life. So, how are we as a church to be a haven for those who are tired? See, uh, an, emergency, an emergency shelter is one way in the natural, and we are. We're set up, that's all set and in place through the Red Cross, okay? But what about spiritually? How can we be that haven for those who are tired? Um, first of all, it's our responsibility to be ones who minister comfort to comfort others. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. So this is our responsibility. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, okay? They're getting out of line. You need to warn them. Watch it, okay? Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. Now that's, that's the one where some people lose it, that last one, be patient with all. I can be patient with this person, with that person, with that person, but I've lost my patience with that one, okay? So we need to grow to, to tolerate people in a sense where we develop patience and extend grace to them. 
in certain situations. So, but this is our responsibility. We're called the ministry of comfort. So that's important. And then secondly, the refuge is a place to find our rest in God. It's a place to find our rest in God. In, in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, that whole chapter talks about God's rest and entering into the rest of the Lord, which was a, a parallel, a type and shadow of the children of Israel leaving the bondage of Egypt, uh, moving through a wilderness, and finally coming to a place of promise, which was their rest, entering into the promise of God. Okay? In, in verse 9 in Hebrews 4, it says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. See, God wants you to come into that place of promise. Um, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. And so it's by faith that we enter into God's rest. Because you can work, you can labor, you can do everything, but you come to a place, Lord, I put my trust in what you have done, your finished work of the cross, and now I'm entering into that rest where I'm ceasing from my self-effort to try to please you, my self-effort to try to win you favor, because it, it, it's not about what we've done, it's about what he's done for us. Can you say amen? amen. And then point number three, uh, as a church, our responsibility, we need to know that refuge is a place of strengthening, a place to receive from God, a place of strengthening, a place to receive from God. You should come to church to be refreshed and built up, not beat up, leaving defeated, dejected, and condemned, okay? In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 29, it says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Guess what? He never grows tired. He doesn't. I mean, this is the God who created all this. And, and then it goes on to say, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power, verse 29, to the weak. And those who have no might, he increases strength. Wow. So we need to be recipients of, of that uh, effort on God's part to give us might, to give us increased strength. How many of you, you could use increased might and strength to get you to the weak? It's available. Can you say amen? And then number four, refuge is to be a place of refreshing. A place of refreshing. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19 through 21, we see an amazing passage here. And I've, I've looked at this from time, and, and, and I, I see that there is so much in this passage that we need to understand. In verse 19, it says, Repent. Repentance means a change of heart, a change of direction, a change of your ways. It's an about face. You're going in one direction and you turn around. Because you're going the wrong way, you need to turn around and go the right way, okay? It says, repent therefore and be converted. So once you turn around, your heart is converted in a sense that you're no longer moving in the direction of the world, but you're starting to move in the direction of God, honoring his word and following his ways. So there's an effort, there's a conversion, there's a shift of direction. And then it goes on to say that your sins may be blotted out. Okay, I, I want to pause right there. Do you know that your sins have been blotted out? Are you st still living under the condemnation of what you've done wrong? What, uh, how bad of a person you are? And, and all that junk, because... 
because that condemnation is a weight. It's a heavy weight that causes people to be weary, to be tired. And notice that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I, I want to interject this right here because so often the reason people are weary and tired is because of the condemnation of sin. There's still a sin issue and God wants to set you free from that sin issue that has plagued your life. It's impossible to be refreshed when sin is in the way. It's, it's blocking the way. And God wants to blot that out. He wants to get that out of your life. And he shed his blood to make it possible for sin to be extracted from who you are so that it doesn't have to be a part of who you are anymore. Okay? Sin, in Romans 6 says, shall not have dominion over you. It doesn't have to control your life. It doesn't have to destroy your life anymore. Very often, that's why people are tired, because they're dealing with sin issues, and they don't know how to overcome. They don't know how to break through. Jesus is the one who can break us through Notice it says, so times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So it's being in his presence that we're refreshed, we're renewed, we're restored. So that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. Now, I want to pause right here. We can look at this as the second coming, and I'm sure this is reference to the second coming of Christ. But I believe it also is in reference to him coming to you right now that he can send Jesus to you right now to meet you right now at your point of need so that he may send Jesus Christ who has preached to you before. And then verse 21 says, from whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So we know heaven is holding him now and there's a restoration that is taking place in the earth right now. As refuge, we're haven for those who are tired, where people can come and be restored, to be restored back to life in right relationship with God. Now, a number of weeks ago, the Lord poised a question to me. And the question was, if, if this was the last day of your life on this earth, what would you do differently? What would you do differently? And, and first of all, I thought, well, I'd make sure there's no unconfessed sin in my life. I, I want to make sure I'm right with God if this was my last day on earth, right? And secondly, I'd make sure I'm not harboring any unforgiveness towards other people. Um, I'm not holding on to any offense. And in the natural, I thought I'd make sure my life insurance premium is paid up. You know, <laughs> make sure my family is taken care of and all that. But, uh, and, but really, I believe what the Lord was trying to get to me is, is that I need to live this life in light of eternity because this could be any one of our last day on this earth. We don't know. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. But yet we have the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. We may not know the day we die, but we can know where we go. Because when you make a, a commitment to Jesus Christ, something transpires. 
the scripture says that you actually translated from one kingdom to another, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. We see that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. So we're repositioned to be in a place to spend eternity with Jesus. But maybe you're here today and you are uncertain because you don't know what place you're in. If you were to die today, if this was the last day of your life, where would you end up? Where would you end up? I want you to think about that. If you have absolute assurance, and you can, that you'll be with Jesus, that you will enter into eternity to spend the rest of eternity with him in, in the glory of his kingdom and splendor. If you have that assurance, you can. That's great. But if you don't, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to open your heart to him so you can invite him in so that you can accept his invitation to come to him. If you're heavy laden, if you're weary, if you're tired, if you're sick of this world, if you're sick of your life, some people just get sick of their life, then the invitation stands for you to come to him, to learn from him, to yoke up with him, because that's where you'll find peace, that's where you'll find your purpose, that's, your, that's where you will be refreshed and renewed and restored when you yoke up with him, with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around right now. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know that my life is really right with God. If I were to die today, I'm uncertain whether I would be with Jesus. If that's you this morning, you say, and I, I, I want to make sure that my life is right with God. I'm, I'm ready to come to him, to accept Jesus' invitation. Repeat after me and make this your prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and I accept Jesus' invitation to come to him. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead to give me new life. I put my faith and my trust in you. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I accept your invitation to come and learn from you, to take your yoke upon me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now just talk to him in your own words. Father, I just thank you for each one that has come today. I thank you that you're doing a work to strengthen this body of believers so that we can truly be a refuge Father, to those that come through these doors, that we can minister strength and encouragement and, and help build up others that are weak. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for moving in the lives of the people. I take authority over every attack of anxiety, every attack of fear, anything that would weigh heavy upon people to rob them of the rest that you have. In the name of Jesus, we cast our cares upon you. We cast our burdens upon you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, if you have burdens, if you have weight, if you have this anxiety thing working, just give that to God right now. Just give it to him right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.